This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 3rd, episode 2153, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge, the day you risk it all, the day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. Hang on, we're hitching a ride. Daddy, I want another pony. I put 40 hours in this weekend, man, it's only Wednesday. I've been cussing this damn heat all day long, there's got to be another way. On today's show, Christy Counts chats with us about horse rescues, including choosing a reputable rescue to support. We discuss riding helmets versus bicycle helmets. Longtime listener April Hardman, the virtual assistant for equestrians, joins in with her new monthly segment, The Business of Running a Horse Business, to discuss how to use your blog to help your website rank well on Google. And Glenn brings us a brand new edition of Crappy List Wednesday, this time with a twist, so you don't want to miss any of it. It's going to be a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today, today is Pony Express Day. May I share a brief history of the Pony Express, Glenn? Are you actually going to talk about something horsey? I know. Can you believe it? I am becoming a horse girl before (laughs) your eyes. Well, we're not going to stop you from doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm diving in. The, The Pony Express, it existed for 18 months. Between the days of April 3rd, hence the the anniversary, 1860 to October 1861, in these days, there was no airmail, no Great American Highway. All there was was hundreds of miles of wide open spaces with not much in between but animal-filled wilderness and bandito-filled hollows. During this time, if you wanted to send a letter or small package from anywhere east past the gateway of St. Joseph, Missouri, there was only one way to do it. The Pony Express was a massive employer for its time with up to 80 young riders employed at any given stage with stringent requirements on their size, age, and the weight. The lighter the man was, the longer the horse could run and the more cargo the rider could carry. And since the horses were put to go full tilt for 10 to 15 miles at a stretch before changing, this was vital and important. The rider changed out every 75 to 100 miles, but the mail never so much as slowed, even in the worst weather. While the average trip from coast to coast on horseback took 10 days when they delivered Lincoln's inaugural address, the trip was made in a mere seven days and 17 hours. So find your local Pony Express Day Festival or start your own and celebrate this iconic piece of history. Isn't it amazing that that, something that became so iconic only lasted 18 months? That's what always amazed me Build about that. Build a gap that. that need to be filled. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what happened... Literally. <laughs> I think what happened is trains kind of took over, and then uh, uh, that's why the Pony Express went away. But, yeah, 18 months, yet it's something that everybody knows about. 
Yeah. Jamie, are you still with us? You awake? Oh, I'm here. I was just listening. Sorry, my mic was off. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, really did she fall asleep? Favorite. <laughs> Look, Jamie finally talks about something horsey, and Jamie's tuned in. I know, right? right? Yeah. I was actually talking about <laughs> a parade. Yes. This weird technology that we use every day called turning buttons on and off. It was it, it was eluding me this morning. Sorry. <laughs> Look, finally we had a producer show up on time, and then you mess it up. Uh huh. It's yeah. all my fault. It's all my fault. Let's start over. Go, Jimmy. Do it again. No. <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> no. I was saying that's amazing that it only eighteen months. I did not realize that. Yeah. It was I, I? You know, I've heard that before, and it's like, wow, for something so iconic. And they still do the runs every year, don't they? They do the historical runs from, and they have the Pony Express riders you can they, ride. Karen they Chatton have a wrote Pony it. Express in Arizona that they they that they're probably doing today. They just kind of reenact it. So Karen Chatton rode the Pony Express route um, as uh, one For of her sure. rides. It was like ten days. Yeah, she took one of her Arabs and they went on a group ride and they, they were raising money for something. But they rode the whole the whole route. Which apparently is not easy because it goes over some big mountains. So. Well, at least they're not getting hunted by, you know, Apache. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or bears. Banditos. Or yeah. <laughs> Land pirates. <laughs> Daily Winnie Time. Well, first, Daily Winnie has to go out to Jimmy for bringing something horsey. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, Yay! <laughs> I got my first Winnie ever, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy, happy birthday to you! <laughs> happy birthday to auditors Lily Harmon, Ann Bruins, and host of the Plaidcast, Tanya Johnston. Happy birthday to all of you. And also, I have a shout-out, a daily winning to four show-jumping riders from Texas who will be competing in the Burlington Capital International in Omaha this weekend. And they have offered to donate a percentage of their winnings to help victims recovering from damages caused by the horrendous flooding in Nebraska. So, Trap O'Neill, Christian Heine King, Frank Owens, and Matt Seifer. Matt said that they're, they really, as Texans, as a group, wanted to support their friends and fellow horsemen from Nebraska during this difficult time. And it was absolutely awful. So good for them, and they get a daily winning for that. We hear about all the bad things in the horse world sometimes, and you don't hear about the good things. So I thought I'd bring that to the table. <laughs> Well, my daily Winnie goes out to, oh, y'all make me so happy. Remember Monday I was venting about the fact that I never get to go to the restroom alone because inevitably one of the three dogs in this house will open the door and take that as a moment to, because I'm stuck sitting down because girls sit down to pee, I'm stuck. And wait a minute, pets. wait a minute. You were venting on this show? <laughs> I know, it seems it's, weird. It weird. But yeah. um, I was just talking about animals and their therapeutic effects of <laughs> getting they pet help. trying to pee. <laughs> and anyway, I am not alone, Glenn. There have been so many girls and and guys that have messaged me as t- and, and now what's happening is they're sending me pictures of their animals <laughs> while they're on the toilet. And I want to say that I highly encourage this and I love it. And I want to start a whole thing of uh, sitting on the toilet. So I need to see your knees 
ladies. See your knees and the animals. Some okay, I was thinking the it, picture was coming from another direction and it would no, have been embarrassing. We're, we're, no, no, we're, okay. We're from the, from, you know. It's a selfie out. It's yeah. a, it's a, what's and, this? Away. <laughs> and Jamie, you need to really enunciate your sitting because it sounded like you said something else for just a second when you said sitting on the toilet. <laughs> oh. Well, well, it could be that know, too. Really, whatever works for you. Whatever you need to, you need to do. Um, but it was a large amount of people that said their cats actually jump in their lap. Oh, now they, that's kind of freaky. I think that's kind of freaky. <laughs> <Cats> are... <laughs> anyway, all y'all get my, get my daily witty because that was fantastic. It makes me feel so much better and I really appreciate it. And keep the pictures coming. Let's just make like a, we'll make a coffee table book of people <laughs> sitting on the toilet with their animals staring at them. <laughs> it's a great idea. It's a great idea. It's actually kind of fun. <laughs> um, and animals the mo- who watch you pee is the name of the coffee table book. <laughs> And it's going to be, you got to have your knees in it and then outwards to the animal that's staring at you. And if it is in your lap, you're going to have to do a selfie and show us what what you're up to. Lisa Kelly in Alaska, you have a pig. I want to see the pig staring at you in the bathroom with your knees, okay? I want to see that picture. If they they caption it, do they get bonus points? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Everybody captions it. And the most unusual animal gets a prize, too. So... Oh my God, the geese are coming in the house today. <laughs> uh, well, isn't it Carly that has all the snakes and bugs and stuff? That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a sensation that's been going through Facebook. His name is Josh Prey. Now, I didn't, I guarantee you that 99% of the horse world didn't know who Josh Prey was before this video, right? Did you? No, no, no. Josh Prey is a comedian who lives in Florida and he does uh, tours and stuff like that. And he's uh, very funny, but mainly he's a YouTuber, you know, a YouTube comedian. Yeah, he has like 170,000 followers on YouTube. Um, but he did a little thing about equestrian, a question, a question, um, a <laughs> Just a sh- let him have it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop it after each one and we'll discuss it. This will be our list. Okay. Our crafty list. So I got a lot of followers who like horses. They were like, Josh, why can't you ever talk about equiter- equ- equestrians? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk about equ- equestrians in my next video. So to y'all, here you go. Five things I found out. Equestrians do on a daily basis. Five. I can't pronounce the name. Equator? Equestrian? Number one, they work outside like all day. You mean to tell me I gotta go outside and be outside all day with horses? I can't go inside? Not saying I can't go inside, but outside is where I'm gonna be. You clock in to work, I clock outside to work. You not allowed to have no off day if you're working with horses outside. Horse might jump, mule, kick you right in the side of your head, knock you one country. Josh, it's hot outside today, who cares? Go outside. But it's raining outside today, who cares? Go outside. But Josh, it ain't even no outside. The world ended yesterday. Who cares? Go outside. The job (laughs) of an equestrian sounds difficult, frustrating, and tiresome. (laughs) So, you know, you never think about that, but we are outside all the time. And I think it's weird that people don't want to be outside all the time. Just, you know, from the other angle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is true. But we don't realize how much people don't go outside because we're in a world where we do. Yeah, Yeah, there's people that never leave the house. 
So anyway, let's continue with Josh. Number two, those in charge of the barn sometimes got to massage the horse. <laughs> what? You mean to tell me I got to put on my application what you want to do? I want to work outside. I work with a horse. Okay, John, we going to hire you. What y'all hiring me for? You going to massage the horse's calf. You got to massage the horse's inner thigh sometimes. You mean the inner thigh bottle? Yeah, the inner thigh bottle. But what if the horse get excited? Well, if he get excited, don't touch that. Because you touch that, he going to kick you right in the side of your head and knock you on cut. If you think you have a job that makes you want to go... Think about a person massaging the back of a horse's thigh, then that horse got to go to the bathroom. And while you're massaging it, all of a sudden, this horse's inside just, you, you're going you gonna to just do this while I would, you couldn't, oh my gosh, and it just got hard. Do any equestrian that deals with horses inside of the barn, in the massaging, in the physical aspect of taking care of the horse, I salute and praise you, man. How many times have you been pooped on, by the way, doing stuff in the back of the horse? Like brushing um, his tail. Honestly, you know, never. Feet. This I feel like what he's concerned about <laughs> is not something actual equestrians concern themselves with. First of all, um, I know when the poop's coming, I know I can get out of the way. Number two, uh, they don't I don't massage inner thighs. Okay. <laughs> it's just not something that real horse people do. Um, and then the other thing is they don't get hard from that. Okay. Now this is just an, a, a non, this is one of those segments where I I'd love to do it. And I need to revisit it, which is asking non horse person horse questions. Yes. And this is something that non horse people think that we do. We don't rub inner thighs of horses and get pooped on. Just doesn't happen. Have you been pooped on, Glenn? I think I have been pooped on once, and that's when I was cleaning a back foot, and uh, it was it was yes, and it was rather sudden. You know, you usually can tell, but this was a rather sudden one. Oh, you're such a husband. This is probably the beginning of your relationship. It was very beginning. You didn't know. You didn't know. No, and I don't think Jennifer told me on purpose. I think. I think every horse husband has to get pooped on once. It's kind of part of the initiation. Okay. Right, let's continue with Josh Frey. Number three, to those who have to prepare the horse for racing and competition, I salute and praise your thighs. Another part of being that E-word that's difficult for me to say for some reason, I don't know why, is training a horse for competition. Now, when you train a horse for competition, you can't talk to the horses. Horses don't communicate like that. You can't say, hey, Charlie, I need you to run back and forth and jump like this. Hey, Charlie, I need you to get down then spring. Hey, Charlie, nah, you got to get on the back of Charlie. When you get on the back of Charlie, that means you ride Charlie all day. And when you get off of Charlie, the inner thighs feel like the outer thighs. Now, let's say you want to go on a hot date with somebody. And that date is going well because you met that person on Tinder. You know what Tinder gonna do, but you can't hook up. Why can't you hook up, Josh? Because I rode Charlie today. What you mean you rode Charlie today? Yeah, I rode Charlie, and Charlie was bucking and inside of my thighs hurt, and I'm just real sore on the inside, so I can't hook up with you tonight. So you rode Charlie, and he had your inside of your thigh. Yeah. No, no, Charlie was a horse. So Charlie was a horse that you rode all day long, and he got the inside of your thighs hurting? Yeah, I be riding him every other day, because that's what I do. I gotta ride no, no, I'm an equi- I'm an equi- I'm an Ecuadorian, I'm an Ecuadorian, I'm an equator, I'm a I'm an esthetician. Ah! To those <laughs> of you who train horses for competition, I salute you because trying to explain that to somebody on a daily basis has to be difficult. <laughs> it is. Thank you, Josh, for realizing that. And also for understanding that you can't just tell Charlie to jump. Hey Charlie, I'm gonna need you. I wish I could. Hey, 
Charlie, I'm going to need you to loop around here, jump that one, and then we're going to go to that one, and then that one, and then I want you to turn the corner and do a flying lead change. And then Charlie just does it. <laughs> Not. All right, number four. Number four. To those who deal with the horse's diet, don't know how you do it. Growing up my whole life, for some reason, society told me if I put a sugar cube in my hand, that's all horses want. Here, Mr. Horse, eat the sugar cube out my hand. And they lick your palm and you laugh and y'all be like, whoo. Nah, it ain't like that. Horses like food. Horses like stuff. You got to put stuff in a bucket. And when you put certain <laughs> stuff in a bucket, the horse's diet going to dictate that. So when the horse go use the bathroom, that stuff that you put in that bucket better be reflective of what's coming out that horse. And if it's not, then you got to go all the way back. You got to dig through the poop. You got to say, you know what? <laughs> I gave you brown. That looked green. I gave you green. That looked red. I gave you red. That looked like water. What's going on, Charlie? You watch these movies and we see these horses running on the side of the road. We never stop to think that horse can be vegan. That horse can be vegetarian. That horse has a strict diet that he must maintain in order for that horse to perform the task that he performed. The horse's diet must reflect that activity. And somebody has to take care of that. To the somebody that takes care of that, you are a way better man or woman than Josh Prey will ever be. And <laughs> you want to take this one? <laughs> it is a little complicated. I have to admit, it is very complicated. Still as a horse husband 30 years later, Jennifer has to write on the board what I feed the horses. Because I, I, and I have no rhyme or reason to why she changes it all the time. I don't know. I have, try, I have stopped trying to figure it out years ago. But he was right. What you feed him, you know, dictates what they do. So he I'm was gonna right. I'm going to let you have this one. <laughs> What's that? Does he have another one? Yeah, one more. Number five. To the person that has to teach somebody like me what an equestrian does, you have the patience of a nurse in a hospital with free insurance in America. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be the person to ask that question. So... So do the horses talk to each other? So you mean to tell me I can't get a horse a cheeseburger? So um, unicorns aren't real? I'm going to be the person not trying to be difficult, but you got to have patience. I'm sorry for being that person, but thank you for being a... a, a what's the damn word again? <laughs> An equestrian for society. I appreciate you. My next video, I'm going to show you how to not get kicked in the side of your head and be knocked unconscious by a horse. Equitary... Equi <laughs> The E word ain't gonna tell y'all that. <laughs> He's great. And I so, love that it's clean. We didn't have to edit anything, beep his anything. His all out. are that way. And you can go watch him. Uh, just look up Josh Prey on YouTube. And he talks about, I watched the one on archery, which was hilarious. So he, he, he seems to pick topics. He knows a little bit about it. I mean, uh, he knows a little bit about it. So he must do some research. But, he knows enough to be dangerous. Yeah. It's like my, my brother in law <laughs> will come, come over. <clears throat> and this is Chad's brother, and he's not a horse person. And he'll come over and he'll go, so uh, how does this horse compare confirmation-wise to secretariat? <laughs> and you'd be like, what? What kind of question is that? But he's read just enough, enough. to have a little, but he's also a sarcastic jerk. So he just <laughs> waits for your answer. Like, really? Okay, so like, and I'll be like, does he legitimately want an answer or is he messing with me? Just enough to go. Did you tell him that no horse that, that has ever lived has compared to Secretary? I was just an example. I mean, he comes up with these questions all the time. He'll be like, hmm. Knowing that Justify won the Triple Crown this year, what do you think our shot is for a Triple Crown winner next year? You know? <laughs> 
Like he just Googles horse news and asks me things. He could listen to our show. No. No. There's no chance. No. <laughs> There's no chance. No, our friends and relatives do not listen to our show. No, we've no. determined that. No, no. You know, honestly, uh, Chad has started listening to this show more often. Probably, number one, because he's playing a lot of golf. Because when he's an airline pilot, he's home for a couple days. So he's been listening. But I, I think it's only because his voice is now in it so much. <laughs> <laughs> he hears himself. By the way, you're getting a little quiet. You might be a little closer. Okay. There we go. So anyway, that's Josh. And that's my crappy list Wednesday. Well, hey, I have another crappy list Wednesday, but it's actually kind of funny. Okay. It's the 10 horse personality types. And this was written by Horse Nation. And you're supposed to determine which one is your horse. And it's a top 10 list. And Zeus is like four of them. And I think I have a horse. They really did a great job. This article was written by Kristen, who's uh, funny. And Kristen Haley Ruffner uh, was the other author on this. So uh, the number one was the prankster. And it said that this is the horse you regularly see strolling around the property. Like he owns a place typically with a frazzled barn worker close behind. Um, <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> This is also, this is Zeus. <laughs> yeah, that's Zeus for sure. Because they, they know he's, it says, but the glint in his eye, he knows when he's been caught and it's obvious he has no regrets and will absolutely let himself out again at the next opportunity. <laughs> Later today. <laughs> and, and man, he is scientific with finding those opportunities. It's amazing. Um, the hangry, this horse expects to be fed at the crack of dawn, sharp and shows intolerance for lateness by pawing, flinging buckets and glaring at you when you come into the barn. Yes, this is Pink, the the mama. She's like, I'm making milk. I need my food <laughs> right now. So you have to feed her right on time. How's Nigel? What is he like? Uh, he. This is also Scooter. I guess horses can be more than <laughs> one. So I'm keeping yes. track here. By the way, for the new listeners, Scooter is my little 13-hand uh, hackney pony, who yes. is all hackney pony. Pink yep. is the baby mama of Zara, who is number three. Zara is my two-year-old filly, and she is the princess. Approach her stall with a treat in hand or not at all. She is the t most talented and prettiest horse in the barn, and she knows it. She fully expects royal treatment and will not tolerate anything less. I got to tell you, I started Zara. She is two years old, and she's no you can't sit on her till she's three. But no, no sense in not having her long line and wear a surcingle and all that. Oh, my gosh. She is a redhead mare. Let me tell you, she, she don't want to do it. She gets very mad. What? I can't just turn this direction. I'll kick at you. Uh, like, I mean, she's so sassy and she is definitely, definitely the princess. I'll have to video. I, I've been just doing it once a week. She's had a single on three times now and long line three times, just once a week. And oh my gosh, she is so funny. You know that like head fling that they do? Yes. They take down or out. She, that is her defiant head fling. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Not doing I, it. I'm Oh, who do you think you are? I have been wild out here for years. Everybody just feeds me. I don't work. <laughs> so what do you think? Uh, what's the early indication? Of what oh, she's my gonna... God. She's such a nice mover. Is she? Oh, she gets in that round pin and like baby Groot, you know, he has to like cross canter and flip the leads and he can barely canter that circle. She like 
tranters around, head up, wind in her hair, just canters like just like she's been doing it her whole life. She's really, really, really nice, which is why I rebred the same mare and the same stallion, because now baby Stanley's gonna be that nice too. <laughs> Yay. Uh, number four is the potster. Wherever there is drama, this horse gets himself into the thick of it. If he knows a horse is grumpy or doesn't like to be crowded, he goes out of his way to antagonize it. <laughs> if one horse in the arena spooks, he will do a full-blown reenactment. Um, <laughs> this has got to be Scooter and Zeus again. Yeah, I mean, Scooter so far has had three out of four. <laughs> He's, so I think we could say they're multiple personalities, these two. <laughs> yes, they are. They isn't that weird that we host the show and we got the same horse. I know. <laughs> and I love Zeus. He's my Mustang. Uh, I love I Scooter, but boy. He's amazing. <laughs> oh my god, they're so challenging. Um the warrior, this horse has the most expressive eyes. You think he has more depth of emotion than any human. They never stop thinking. Uh this is the Duke. This is the Duke. He's the most empathetic creature in the barn. Can sense your feelings before you know them yourselves. Duke is Duke. If you are tense and you go to ride him, he will be tense. If you are relaxed, he will stay relaxed. He is just, he is the biggest mirror of your soul possible. This is uh, Nigel. Uh, this is Jennifer's horse a little bit. Um, when he gets all worried, he tends to hide behind Scooter. Now, Nigel's on 16 and a half hands and really big boned. He, he looks twice the size of Scooter. But if there's trouble in the paddock, he he's hiding right behind Scooter. And you can't see him. No. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's right. He's hiding. <laughs> that's right. Number six, I'm going to knock on wood because I feel like I've had these before and I... I feel like you've had a lot of these before. <laughs> Number six, the accident prone. This horse is in a distant relation to the prankster. Only his sense of humor came out a little warped because you live in constant fear of what you'll find when you come to the barn, whether it be a twisted shoe, a shredded blanket, or a mysterious lameness. I think one of our listeners has a horse like this, a, f a fat rocket. Yeah, that's Lindsay's horse. She is constant. I mean, you need bubble wrap for horses like that. That's why we made that. The accident prone. You strap boots, extra pads, and bubble wraps on every ride, hoping you can make it through a month without accumulating more vet bills. Which, by the way, I just got the vet bill for Pink and her emergency. Oh, I bet you that was fun. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need an advance on my paycheck. Bob. <laughs> I'm not sure we can afford what that's going to be. <laughs> you know what's so funny is I told Chad before the baby was born, I was like, listen, since we moved here, I didn't have to do all the ultrasound that I did beforehand. So I was like, I saved money. And then this happened. I was like, remember that I told you I saved that money? <laughs> well, I just spent it somewhere else. Funny how that works. Number seven, again, Scooter and Zeus. This is the attitude. The horse will pretend to be your best friend. Oh, wait, no, they don't do this. Wait until your guard is down and bite you. <laughs> uh, actually, Scooter bit Jennifer the other day. Well, she probably deserved it. No, I, and I forget <laughs> what they were doing, but she, Je Jennifer, was not happy. <laughs> he just, he'll get his attitude up, and he's a hackney. He just gets his little pony attitude up, but, and he doesn't bite. But occasionally, if he's not having his way, he's going to get his way. Um, but a little jerk. Yeah. I, I must say that when I put the bridle on Zeus and I'm lifting my right arm up and I've got the bit in my left hand and I'm putting it up, he will then sometimes try to bite me in the boob. <laughs> um, 
The baby, regardless of the horse's age, he plays the baby card to get out of anything. Again, this is, you know, Zara. The old reliable, the horse has been there, done that, and stand next to you watching the rest of the herd interact. This is Chili. If he could talk, he would have things to say. More wise than any human mentor you've ever had. He's beginner safe. Uh, is the grandfather of the barn. Yeah, this is Chili. Except for he's pretty whiny. Uh, <laughs> number 10 is... Again, very similar to your horse, mine. The boss. This personality comes in many shapes and sizes, but is most often found in the form of stout ponies who rule the riders with an iron hoof. That is, that's your horse. Yep. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the boss. Anyway, these are some of the equine personalities. You can find the whole list in its entirety. So I think Scooter got nation. five out of ten. <laughs> And we've learned that Scooter and Zeus are very similar. Yes, yes. Multiple personalities, for sure. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, they say the animals are a lot like their, their owners, so there's that. Well, <laughs> horselovers.com. Right now, they have bags on sale. So if you go over there today, their daily deal, their deal of the day are bags. And I mean all kinds of bags. Equine Couture, which has all the fancy prints on them. Uh, they have saddle bags and bridle bags and garment bags and actually human bags and boot bags and tote bags and all kinds of bags. So they have about 15 different kinds of prints, uh, all different things, and they're very colorful. You can find them on sale at horselovers.com right now. But you know, Horse Lovers only doesn't have one one thing on sale. They have a bunch of things on sale. So they have the Noble Outfitters. They have the Ladies Balance Riding Tights marked down from $75 to $34. And I looked. They have all the sizes. You know, sometimes when there's markdowns like this, you don't see all the sizes, but they do have all the sizes. So, um, and, and in a multitude of colors. So they have Coral, they have Tahoe Blue, and Province Blue. And let me tell you, these are very bright. So if you're into bright breeches, go over right now to horselovers.com. Noble Outfitters Ladies Balance Riding Tights are marked down to $35. And, of course, all the other stuff going on over there. There's always things happening at horselovers.com. And Jamie, or Jamie pretty much uh, sends her entire paycheck there every week. God, so. I just got a text that my last shipment has sent. See, we appreciate you supporting our sponsors and keeping them <laughs> advertising because they know they're really not paying anything. They get it all back. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Out your delivery. guest is ready. Your horse lovers package with the McAllister soft mess fly sheet and four other items will be delivered today. Hopefully, Chad is not listening. Yes. Do you time those for when he's away flying? If I was that good, I would. Did you see the <laughs> April Fool's Day joke that somebody yes. played? Oh, my yes. God. The I Amazon boxes. So somebody <laughs> saved up. A chick saved up their Amazon boxes for the entire year, and she repackaged them, put them all on the front porch on April Fool's. And so it looked like they had a delivery of a billion boxes. And these are pretty hardcore Amazon shoppers, it appears. <laughs> uh, so there was a billion boxes outside, and she was like, April Fool's Day prank for my husband. Yeah, you could have <laughs> done that with Horse Lover's box. Boxes for sure. Yes. Yes. True. <laughs> All right. Your guest is ready. Well, I am really excited to welcome to the show Christy Counts. 
Christy is from therighthorse.org. And I've wanted to highlight a rescue on our show a couple times a month on Wednesdays just to get an idea of what horses are up for adoption. We've had great success on Retired Racehorse Radio of getting these new vocation horses actually adopted out. So I thought, let's highlight some rescues. And I've asked listeners to submit rescues of things that they've been to and they've worked with and they've had boots on the ground and they know it is a great place. Well, then so many people have messaged me asking, how do we know if it's a great place? So I figured let's talk to Christy from therighthorse.org. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. How are you? We're wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll get right to it. Well, first of all, tell us what the right horse is. Well, the Right Horse is an initiative that was started about two and a half years ago, and it is empowered by the Watershed Animal Fund. And what our goal is, is to massively increase the number of horses adopted each year in the United States through widespread collaboration between adoption groups and industry professionals and animal welfare advocates all working together to promote adoption horses. Fantastic. So the question that... I've been asked a lot when I want to highlight these rescues because we've all know that there's some good places and there's not so good places is how do you choose a reputable rescue to support? That is a very good question and a rather complicated issue these days, especially with the emergence of all these kind of Facebook bail pages from auctions. Um, So it's a very timely question. So we really advise people to, first of all, make sure the organization is a 501c3. That's important. And you can find out if one is a 501c3 by going to guidestar.org. So that means they're classified as a registered nonprofit with the IRS. Secondly, that they're very transparent um, with their adoption practices and policies, and that they also provide training for the horses and that they're very adoption friendly. So there's, you know, there's a number of things to kind of look at. It's not a lot different when you're going to try to find, for example, a puppy from a reputable breeder versus a puppy mill. You just have to have your eyes wide open and kind of look for signs that show you that it's a reputable organization. Furthermore, organizations that are registered or accredited by the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries you know, it's GFAS is the acronym, you know those are reputable groups. For thoroughbreds, you know if they are accredited by TAA or TCA, that they are credible groups. And also for us, the Right Horse Initiative, we have partner agencies that are all listed on our website, therighthorse.org, that are also well-vetted partner agencies that you know are credible. Okay, so we've got the the TAA, which is the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, the TCA, which is Thoroughbred Charities of America. So those handle the horse, uh, the thoroughbred end of things. But say there's a, a rescue down the street and they take in horses all the time. You're saying that I can go online and I can see if they're a 501c3. What does that get me? I mean, can you get a 501c3 just by filling out a bunch of paperwork? You can, but it's the first kind of litmus test of if a group has even gone to that, you know, effort. There's a lot of groups out there that haven't even gone to that effort and may be taking in donations and they're not even a registered charity. So the very, the lowest bar would be, are they a 501c3? 
The, yeah. the other bars you'd want to see are, are they accredited by any of the accrediting agencies? Are they, you know, uh, supported by, you know, funding organizations like the ASPCA or the Right Horse Initiative? I mean, looking to see who their supporters are is also a great way for individual donors to find out if it's a credible organization. Because you know that if a group out there is getting funding from some of the major foundations, that they have been heavily vetted. Okay, so uh, you mentioned the Facebook auction groups, and these are things like this horse is going to go to the killers, and we've saved it from off the back of the truck, and all it needs is $750 in bail money. What is that? What is going on there? So it's really unfortunate in, in the industry right now because we have kind of a sub-market that has emerged that has you know, played on donors' emotions. And so what's happened is that, you know, flippers and kill buyers have realized that through these fake Facebook pages, they can actually get these horses from auction and make more money selling them back to donors than they can in the slaughter market. So they'll buy them, a killer buyer or a flipper will buy them at auction, keep them in a kill pen, threaten to send them to slaughter, and then kind of, you know, essentially extort donors to pay a much higher price. And so it's really a more lucrative market than even the slaughter market. Yeah, because they don't have to drive so, them to, you know, to Canada and Mexico. I mean, they save all of that, too. Yeah, and yeah. they make a lot more money. Yeah. Um, and so the downside is that, you know, we're actually supporting the, the groups, supporting this market, which is really unfortunate. And usually once these horses have left the auction, gone to a kill pen, if you will, then they've been exposed to a much higher number of diseases and often are very sick. They're not properly vetted to see if they're even viable adoption candidates. And so, you know, donors may be across the country and they're on a Facebook page and they see, you know, they bail this horse out for $900 and then they have it shipped to them and the horse is often going to cost them thousands of more dollars in medical care because it's been sitting in a kill pen. It's, you know, probably health is deteriorated to a point where it's, you know, really needs a lot of rehab and it may or may not ever serve that adopter's, you know, needs. And so it's really the worst possible way to get a horse. So I'm looking at the, 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 the this, I'm focusing on one in Oklahoma, the Stroud, Oklahoma Killpin horses. And it says shipping Tuesday and it has all these frowny faces, these cry emojis. And it's a 800 for $850. She's a slight limp, but her legs are clean. Um, so, you know, basically they say we can take credit cards over the phone and that you can, you still have to get it shipped. But if you send an e-check, there'll be no exceptions. If it's canceled, this could result in you losing the horse and it's shipping to slaughter. They are completely playing on people's kindness and emotions. So with a horse like this, like you feel really, really sorry for it, right? And so, how on earth mm -hmm. do I ensure uh, like what's going to happen to this horse? You can't. The best possible way to battle this is for you know horse welfare advocates to actually work directly with the adoption groups that are getting the horses from auction because that exact same horse could have been three hundred fifty dollars at the auction, right? before it goes into the kill pens and exposed to all the disease. So educating donors that, you know, that this bail system is, is actually counterproductive to what we're trying to do here, which is safely transition horses into new homes. That education piece is critical. 
This Facebook bail system has really just kind of gotten really, really hot in the last five to 10 years, really five years even, but there's a pretty big growing backlash against it. And the educating of donors is critical. And we also need our rescue groups to stop getting horses out of kill pens as well. You know, what's sad about that, too, is that a lot of the people that end up with these horses and that fall for that are people that probably knowledge-wise and experience-wise are not in a position to take a horse in that has those kinds of needs. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's not the well-educated horse person that's usually taking that horse in. It's somebody who's brand new to it, who thinks they're helping out, and then they end up with this situation with this horse that they don't know what to do with. Um, so That's true. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're exactly that, right. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you're exactly right. Um, and, and it's the population of people that need extra, extra help and support in their horses. I do want to mention one thing that, you know, there's also a major backlash when groups speak out against these kill pin bail buying systems. Um, these operators of these kind of flippers and, and bail systems, they attack and troll uh, groups or radio stations or advocates like myself when they come and speak out you know, against this because this is their bread and butter. So one can expect when they're, you know, advocating against the system that they're going to get some pushback. Oh, uh, she warning us, Jamie. <laughs> so Jamie, yes, oh, if, any, if anybody's listening, <laughs> if anybody's listening, all complaints go to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Put complaint <laughs> in the subject line and we guarantee we will respond to them all. So, uh, <laughs> this is heartbreaking. I did want to. Thanks, Christy. Appreciate that warning. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is my house going to get bombed? What's going to go <laughs> Should I not have mentioned that? Edit that rescue name I said out of there. Okay? <laughs> I don't want them to find me. So, 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 Christy, I, I want to highlight. Is there just a place I can go and a list I can see to see what the good rescues are that I can highlight and support on this show? I want to. We want to use our powers for good. What can I do? Yes, absolutely. So you can go to the righthorse.org and you can look at our partners, our adoption partners. Uh, you can go to the Global Federation for Animal Sanctuaries and look at their adoption groups that handle horses on their website. And you can do the same thing with TAA, the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. And those, you know, those, it's a very safe bet um, and groups that we can totally stand behind and support. And the solution to this is also that we need more community resources for horse owners when they need to transition their horses. In the dog and cat world, we've had municipal shelters that anyone can surrender their dogs and cats when they need to. It's for end of life or they can't take care of them anymore, and it's all paid through our tax dollars. We have nothing like that for horses. So when people need to get rid of their horse or they need to a humane you know, end of life and they can't maybe afford euthanasia, Oftentimes, people's only option is to take their horse to an auction. So if we had more community resources for those horse owners, we wouldn't have so many horses falling in bad hands and ending up in these kill pen situations. So I have to ask you, you're doing something right now called the 2019 Right Horse Roadshow. What's that? Yeah, so the the Roadshow is just a really fun 
way to market our activities and market and promote equine adoption. And we know that so many of these adoption groups have fantastic courses in their programs that are just waiting for new homes. They're trained, they're useful, they can really go on to new careers and new lives. And so promoting those adoptions is really key. So the Roadshow is just a really fun, well-branded truck and trailer that's traveling around the country this year, going from event to event and hosting community resource events, like I just mentioned at different partner agencies' locations to promote it. At the end of the year, partners that have promoted the roadshow the best on social media will actually win the truck and trailer for their adoption. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a big prize. (laughs) That's a big prize. Fantastic. And then go to therighthorse.org to see a little bit more. And one, One more thing I wanted to bring up was your summit. You have a summit coming up in May, and that's in Lexington, Kentucky, right? Yes, we do. Um, we're excited about that. It's the first ever Ride Horse uh, Summit. And, you know, it's really a chance for everyone to get together and discuss best practices and collaboration and innovation and really moving this, you know, movement forward, if you will, to help transition horses safely. So we're excited about that. Wow, amazing. I just love the work you guys are doing. And I believe I'm going to see you in a couple weeks at the movement, right? Yes, yes. I'm also excited about that. I mean, I, of course, any chance I can to go out to flag the farm is, you know, pretty amazing. So I look forward to seeing you there. And I think having a lot of like-minded folks um, on the farm will be really just a whole lot of fun. Perfect. Well, I will see you at the movement again. That's uh, the weekend after Land Rover, actually the, the days, the 29th and 30th of april and that's at flag is at farms and and check out the movement 2019.com to see more and uh christy thank you so much for joining us i i I think we've given people a lot to think about and chew on as far as rescue goes and now i know where i can go and find some more guests for the show (laughs) great thank you so much you guys have a great day all right thank you you too okay bye-bye I see. I knew that those Kilpin things were were bad, but I didn't know why. And now I've gone down this rabbit hole of this. There have always been there, and and we have to clarify too. There have been some good groups that have, have been going to the auctions in New Holland and Which ones are those? yeah. So there are some good groups that have been doing it for years. I mean, twenty. How about years. the ones that are the ones that are going? He's going to ship on Tuesday. You got to get him now, or he's going to go. Yeah, those, those are, are dealers. Probably not the good ones, uh, but there have been ones that, you know, there's a network in New Jersey, I remember, I can't remember the name of it right now, our listeners will know, but they, you know, they've been doing good work for years, and but they tend to, you know, they tend to, when they go to the auction, they tend to buy the horse, and they actually buy the horses, so they tend to buy the horses that are at least somewhat sound, and they, they know they can find a home for, right? So, you know, they're doing, they, so we can't lump them all in. They're not all bad, the ones that deal with the auctions. Uh, but she's right. I mean, the when you would used to go to New Holland, and this was years ago. I mean, this is probably 20, 30 years ago. I mean, my office for my investment business was on the corner of the parking lot of the sales stables. Oh. So every Monday, you'd see all the trucks. And I mean, there were hundreds that would come in. And they would also have a hay auction the same day. So there'd be hundreds of hay trucks come in. And you'd walk over there. My partner in that investment business, mother, ran the restaurant there for 30 years at the at the auction. So, And they don't auction horses. They auction everything else, every other animal, too, all week long. But they... Um, 
it would be, you know, they really did start cracking down on it. And the police got involved and, you know, it got better. I don't know how it is today, but it was it was sad. I mean, it was a very sad place to be. And if you didn't know what you were doing, as Jennifer always said, if you didn't have experience with horses, you shouldn't be there because you would buy, you you know, if you didn't know what a sick horse looked like or, or because you didn't really have a chance to do anything with them. And you would get stuck, and a lot of people got stuck because they were trying to do the right thing. So they would go get a horse, and you know, Lord knows where it ended up after that. But yeah, it's it's always been an issue. It's, it's I, I wonder how one. to put these people out of business. Like, do we go and we they, obviously they don't sell the horse and they run it back to the auction? Well, I, I think the way you put them out of business is have have horses that don't end up in, in desperate auctions. You know, and I don't. That starts. That starts at the beginning, right? I mean, we've had this discussion before. It starts at the beginning. It starts with people having knowledge of a horse before they get one. Yeah, I won't say who, but there's somebody we know that lives near here where we live, and they knew nothing about horses and wanted to get a horse. And the horse is looking terrible because they know nothing about horses. Uh, it's out eating grass. They never touch it. They never brush it. And it's starting to look bad because they also never put fly spray on it. They just think, you know, getting a horse is this thing that, you know, a lot of people want to do, but then they get it. They don't know what to do with it. And then what do they tend to do? Like their other pets, they just ignore it. Spay, neuter, and geld people. <laughs> well, maybe spay, neuter, and geld people is the... Uh, <laughs> put that as all one sentence. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, let's do a song. We're going to come back in a minute, talk a little bit about uh, a campaign that Ovation has for education going on, one of our terrific sponsors. And then we're going to be talking a little business in the horse world. Uh, but right now, let's listen to Templeton Thompson. We'll be right back. Uh, we're all on our way somewhere by Templeton Thompson. On our way somewhere Headed down some different roads It's easy to get lost out there We don't always find our way back home Sometimes life ain't fair We're all on our way somewhere We're all doing the best we can Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do We all need a helping hand To pick us up, to pull us through When we can't find the strength to stand We're all doing the best we can Sound similar, but they're not the same. We have lived through some living hell. When I'm still dealing with the pain, but I'm feeling better than I've ever felt. We have got our own story to tell. 
That's Templeton Thompson, and uh, you can find her music in templetonthompson.com. We're all in our way somewhere. That was really good. I don't think I've heard that one. No, I think I, I, I don't think I've ever played it. She has so many songs. She's so good. Now She's you so went and saw a movie. I did. I went and saw the Mustang, the Mustang movie, which is for it, it's it's a, a movie about the inmates and the prison Mustang training system. And it's all based right there in Carson city, Nevada, which is where I got Zeus and Thor, my two Mustangs. And so this movie was going to be very personal to me. So I was pretty excited to go see it. Bring your box of tissues. Um, you know, it's it's, one of my friends was like, you don't need tissues. She's a liar. (laughs) And not sad tissues, because there's some de- there's some definite Hollywood moments. So it starts out as, you know, it, it starts out with some very powerful images of the helicopter roundup of the Mustangs, and it shows the Mustangs. And the cinematography is beautiful, and the, the scenes of the horses out, just the wild horses out. I'm trying not to give too much away because. most people haven't seen it yet. And I'll tell you how I got lucky enough to see it in just a second. But the movie goes through the emotions of how the horses got to the prison and what the kind of the prison is doing. And basically it tells the story of the Carson city prison, which is the, the inmates called trainers have no horse knowledge whatsoever, but they all go out and they each have to train a wild horse for, typically 90 days before they auction them off to the public. And the auction in Carson city is a very big deal. There was 600 people that came and watched it last weekend that, and, and, and they had like 50 something bidders. So it's kind of becoming a very popular thing just in the city to go do on a weekend because you can go to the prison and sit and watch the inmates ride the horses. It's a really, really cool event. Um, and Basically, the movie starts out with this guy, this this the star. I can't say his last name, but it's Matthew. He's he's the inmate that the movie is, and he's the central character. Wow, that guy is good. 
He is a phenomenal actor. And you'll recognize some of the actors in here. Character uh, actors that we've all the, seen. The characters yeah. like Bruce Dern plays the grizzled trainer, which is based... Bruce Dern plays a grizzled person? No. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> a grizzled old cowboy. And it's funny because that that Bruce Dern character, if you've been to the Carson City Prison, there's a guy named Hank who oversees all the inmates and they almost look alike. They really picked a perfect guy to play the character of Hank, who is the the person in charge of all of it in real life. And they did a lot of the shooting at the prison. And if you remember, we talked to the director a couple of weeks ago and there's a abandoned prison near Carson City, which they filmed a lot of it at. A lot of the... It's brutal. Okay, I'll just tell you that it is brutal. The, I mean, it's like, you know, there's a Shawshank characteristic to it, which is a bunch of inmates living in prison. And this guy, the, the main actor, is so angry. He's so angry. And then he meets the horse. And it's just a very powerful message of how humans and horses can heal each other. Because the horse is super wild and the man is super angry. And you can see the difference in him from start to finish. And it's very seamlessly done. Now, the end, they no, had give some it away. drama happen. And, and, and there's, like, there's, two, there's two parts in the movie that you're like, okay, that would never have happened. Just two parts. But the overall theme and the overall movie and the fact that they did portray uh, the Mustang's plight, talking about how many of them there were just in the very beginning and at the end to see how the horses heal the human. Now, there's again, there's two parts that you're like, That's, that, that there's no way. Like, there's no way. There's no way that inmates would have access to horse sedatives. Okay. It's just uh, not going to yeah, happen. Yeah. You know, like I, as a, as a veterinary technician, I didn't have that easy of an access to horse tranquilizers. Okay. So there's, a, there's a part of it with that drug part of it. Uh, it's definitely not a movie for children. It is rated R. There are bad words and pretty harsh things that you will see in it. But the gen- general theme of the horse and human helping each other How is there. How would a non-horse person see this movie? I took my sister-in-law, and she is as non-horse person as they come. And she felt like it really... She didn't even know that there were there was an, a, an abundance of Mustangs who are loose. And she didn't know that there was... Uh, prisoners training Mustangs and she didn't know about horse therapy for inmates at all. So she actually found it fascinating, but she did ask me, she was like, would they have access to drum? No, no, (laughs) they would not. And at the very end, something happens and you're like, well, clearly that doesn't happen because they just had an auction this past Saturday. So anyway, there's two kind of Hollywood moments, but the very end of the film, the, like the last scene, it's just so beautiful. And it, it, again, it can things things can't happen, but they they made it Hollywood, and some of the things were really cool that they actually added. So I really liked some of them. Overall, I really liked the movie. I thought it was. Be going with a non-horse person, I thought it was great because she learned a lot about things that she didn't know about. And she actually kind of thought it was, she liked it better than my horse person friend because my horse person friend is like, that's ridiculous. They couldn't do that. And yeah, you can, if you just learn to accept it. And, and there's so many amazing things that happen at this prison with these inmates because they don't ride. They're not horse people. So it's kind of throw them on and go. And she was like, you can't just throw somebody on and have them go. 
well, they do. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, do at that point. You can, actually. Whether you everybody can. comes out with one piece is a uh, different story. You were an adult who <laughs> learned to ride. <laughs> yeah. Okay? You couldn't do it, but these inmates, they don't care. They just get on a wild horse and go. And They've had rougher situations in their lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is no big deal to them. So there was some, some cinematic... But this is also why it works for PSTD, right? I mean, you said the main character, how angry he was. I wonder how many non-horse people come away saying, I don't think it affects them that much. You know, non-horse... That was my... My thing was, I wonder if non-horse person work, looks at this and goes, well, that's all just made up. It can't really affect the inmates that much. Yet, you know, we see it all the time with the veterans and, and everybody else as yeah. well. But it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing how it really changes people. And you'll see the, like, the relationships that this guy has in his life change. And again, it's all put into like 95 minutes, you know. But it, I thought it was really, really good. And the cinematography is amazing. And the acting was amazing. And typically you see lower budget yeah. Sundance type movies with the actors. And you're like, I could have done better. <laughs> nope, this guy was awesome. This guy was legit. And it's Here's traveling actor. around the country. How do you find it now? Yeah, so what I did is I went to Fandango.com. Fandango is a website where you can buy movie tickets. I have the app. And I went on Fandango and I signed up for a fan alert. And that's to let me know if it's playing within 100 and some miles of me. And it dinged me. I was like, it's coming this weekend. So you might have missed it. It might be coming um then you can always buy the DVD or whatever later on um, or watch it on. I'm sure it'll be on you know, Netflix or whatever. But I thought it was cool to see it in the theater. And I was not I went to the 11 a.m. showing. OK, and I was not the only one in the theater. There was like four other people. Wow. In, so I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I will say that for our Ocala friends, it is here today. At the Regal Cinemas, so our main theater, and they have uh, six showings today. So yeah, it's here. It's really, yeah. really. I think it's worth it. So and go to ninety-five percent yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. You're kidding! Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> you think it ninety-five percent Rotten Tomatoes is amazing? I don't think. I don't think Black Panther got ninety-five <laughs> percent Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> well, before you go, I just wanted to mention. Thank you for that. The uh, Ovation. Uh, they wanted us, and of course, Ovation. We've talked about them many, many times here in the show. They are a maker of about fifteen different brands of helmets and a multitude of different colors and sizes and and kinds of helmets and price points of helmets. But one of the questions that keeps coming up is, can I use, especially for kids? Can I use, they already bought them a helmet. I already bought them a bike helmet. Why do I have to buy them a uh, equestrian helmet? Because they're taking lessons. Well, the reason. I would have students show up in bike helmets. You know, they're super cute pink bike helmet. Nope. Well, and the reason is ASTM is the standard that is used. Well, ASTM is actually people. It's a committee of people. And what they do is they develop standards specifically for horse riding events. And testing is specific for hazards that may account or may you you may encounter while you're riding your horse. So again, no helmet can protect against everything. We know that. But what they do is they do anvil tests. And what I'll explain that in a second, but this is how they test the helmets. You know, a bike helmet is meant to stop uh, damage to your head when you're falling forward. It's a forward-moving event because usually you're hitting something, you're going over the handlebars. So it's more what but yet a riding helmet is really meant to protect not only the forward, but the sides and the back as well. 
So it has a much better side protection and much lower in the rear head protection. And that's what's most likely going to happen during a horse riding fall, is you're going to hit the back of your head or the side of your head. So what they do is they take these sharp anvils and they simulate a horse's hoof or a sharp rock hitting the different parts of the helmet. And they adjust the thicknesses and the way the helmet is built so that it withstands these anvil tests. And they truly take and smash the helmets is what they do. And that's how they test them. But so the ASTM is a much tougher standard on the backs and sides and of the helmets than a bicycle helmet. And they're made out of thicker materials. It's just a better made helmet because it's made for the purpose. So bicycle helmets may not survive a horse's kick. They won't. They'll break. I mean, they break well, pretty Well, they easily. don't come down back right. far enough. On the they're way high in the head, usually, yeah. bicycle helmets are. Because, again, you're going over the top, usually, and you're going to hit the top or the front of the helmets. So that's why you can find a multitude of different kinds of helmets at OvationRiding.com. So check it out over there. And thank you to Ovation for the, hist- for the little bit of education about how they test the helmets. Jamie, you have to cut out. So we have weather coming in tonight, and I have to go vacuum out my dumpster in the ground, which is the storm shelter, which is as terrifying a place as you can imagine. And there's giant, like, uh, probably tarantulas. And I thought you said you were never going into the storm shelter. Well, I'm not going to put my kid in there by himself with the spiders, so I got it. I might not go in, but he's going. <laughs> You're going to throw him down the hall and let him uh, down there Lucas, by himself. Danny, Zinni, Tank, and the geese, Harry and Hermione, get in the shelter. <laughs> <laughs> go down to the shelter and stay there. And baby Stanley. Well, I obviously hope that you do not have severe storms uh, and you don't have to use the shelter. That would be the best thing. But yes, you yes, probably I've should at least clean it out once. I just said it's springtime. We need to vacuum all the little <laughs> took up a little spiders. Watch out for the snakes too, by the way. Just oh god, I'm not going in there <laughs> ever. This is uh, I think April, our listener who came over, she opens it. I open it up to show her, and she's like, "Oh, it is. It's like a little dumpster in the ground." <laughs> Like, thanks for that. <laughs> Bring food. Oh, oh, you won't be down there that long. You'll be fine. All right. Thank you. Well, good luck. Good luck with that. And we'll see you on Friday All for right, Really Bad Ads Day. The wind is already picked up. Great. <laughs> Yay. Have fun. Bye. It's Pedro to Gilt. All right. Uh, Jimmy and I are going to be joined right now by our... Our business guru, April, who is a virtual assistant for equestrians, comes on once a month and we talk a little business and how to do your equestrian business better. And whether it's social media or websites or all that kind of things. And April comes to us direct from Germany. Hi, April. Hey, Glenn. Good to see you again. Now, Jemmy's joining us in this conversation because Jemmy knows a lot about what you're talking about today. <laughs> On <the> SEO. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So I, when I said to Jamie that you, we were going to be talking about SEO, she said, I have no idea what that is. So maybe we should start there. <laughs> okay. So search or SEO means search engine optimization. So it basically just means the process of maximizing the number of visitors to a particular website. So just want to make sure you're ranking high on Google pretty much. And that's what SEO kind of helps you do. And when Jemmy first joined us, she looked at our website and said, well, these suck. 
So that was first thing. <laughs> Not my exact word. <laughs> she said it much nicer. Yeah. Sure. No, I don't, I don't think she did, actually. Um, <laughs> all right. So somebody has their own farm website. Maybe they have a training business. Uh, they have a blog uh, that goes with it, and they write an occasional post every 10 years. Um, and then you have the ones that are a little more better at it. And then you have the ones that blog all the time. So you really have three levels. Am I right there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. All but right. it's all, it's, everything's still important to even just the basic user to everybody that does it every day. All right. So how do we rank higher on Google with our farm websites and uh, our blogs? All right. So you can't talk about SEO, of course, without keywords. Um, so keywords are kind of essential. Uh, keywords are the words you'll be identifying as ones that you think your audience will be searching for and that you want Google to show your content in their search results. So a lot of times I tell my clients to just pick five topics that they are going to be writing on on their blog and kind of make or kind of brainstorm and make a list for each one of those categories. And then, um, so like for example of this, I have a client that does retreats for women with horses. And a lot of her words are like retreat, equine retreat, horse therapy, healing horses. And so once we have those words, I like to use uh, either Pinterest or Google and use their guided search. And what's, um, uh, what's guided search? So guided search means it will take the word you search for and tell you what other similar words other people are searching for. How do you do that? So you would just kind of go into Pinterest <laughs> um, and just type in because Pinterest is a lot like um, a search engine, just like Google. A lot of times they consider it as a social media, but it's actually a search engine. And you just type it in there and like right underneath that, there will be a lot of words that pop up underneath it that are similar to what you just wrote in. And you can now add those words to your list and you can go and do some more research like with Google AdWords Planner and kind of get more technical with it. A lot of times when you type in Google and I'll search for horse podcast at the bottom of the search page after the 10 entries, usually there'll be a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of suggestions of what you can search for. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So Google does it that way. And then Pinterest lists them at the top. So they do it a little bit differently, but yeah. Okay. So Got then it. once you have your list of keywords, um, you know, what are some suggestions and what people then do once they're armed with that information? So a lot of times I go to like uh, Google AdWords keyword planner is kind of, you know, to get back in there. And um, I like to do where they have like a high search volume and then kind of low competition and kind of see, like, you know, what are these words are going to really benefit my blog and what uh, people are really searching for? And then I'm going to really target those words. Yeah. What's what words aren't saturated yet? Right. Like what words yeah. are out there that are going to be really relevant for you um, that are being searched a lot, but there aren't a lot of other competitors it, oh. that, that are popping up for for that. Boy, this is sounding right? like a lot of work just to write my blog post. <laughs> just telling you. <laughs> I have a hard enough time part. writing the post in the first place, let alone doing all this. Well, well, the easy the easy thing is that I mean, part of what can work, right, is if if you you can either hi- hire someone like yourself to who really can get in there and do some really good technical work to get the the SEO um, rankings up based on the keywords. Another thing that you can do with keywords, if you kind of want to just take it on yourself, is just make sure you're writing constantly different blog posts that use those 
yeah, center around those keywords, right? Mm-hmm. Blog posts and then other other kinds of content. So maybe you know videos and um, audio. If there's any audio that you can incorporate into your website, and um, you know even the metadata on the pictures, right? Everything has to center around those keywords. And mm-hmm. if you can populate that your website in those ways and just naturally write out you know a good blog post every once in a while, then that should be easy enough, right? Over time, right? Absolutely, definitely. And then the next, well, speaking of time, and I know I'm probably jumping the gun here. Sorry, April. Um, But how how often? So does does Google like there to be constant activity on the website? In other words, if a website gets stale, you haven't done a blog post in two months. Uh, Mm -hmm. Does Google not like that, or doesn't it matter? Um, It depends on the blog, but a lot of times I do suggest that you're doing at least once one once a month. Um, just because you want to get one, it's keeping your website updated and you can see that, you know, they're active on their website and Google does like that you're staying active with it. Um, but you don't want to be doing so many blog posts that now your quality has been lost. You want to make sure these are, I mean, you want to make sure these are really good blogs and not just, you're doing lots of quantity of them. So quality counts. Yeah. Yeah. One mistake that I know people, I think a lot, far fewer people are doing it nowadays because people are more conscious of that, but in the beginning, people were, were trying to game the system by like writing blog posts that were super short and just stuffed with keywords mm-hmm. that really didn't even make any sense. Yep. They weren't even necessarily mm-hmm. relevant to what they were the overall site was. And and Google caught on to that. And so they now have items in their algorithm that knock out that behavior. So you, you're, you're absolutely right. You have to write relevant blog posts. And one way, like, for example, Horse Radio Network or Florida Podcast Network, I mean, just using the episodes and writing the good good show notes, you know, that's mm-hmm. a regular, regularly posted new content that's very, very relevant. So if you, people can find out what can be that regular relevant content that they can talk about, that's usually a good, a good first step, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know a lot of people are even starting to do that in the alt text for their pictures is just keyword stuff. But then Google is saying, nope, we caught that too. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You can actually get dinged for bad behavior with Google. Mm -hmm. So you want to be very careful. What are some of the other bad behaviors that people kind of can get caught in the cycle of doing? Um, I think one bad behavior is when they load up a picture, they don't actually name the picture they la, like to la, have la, like la, 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 <laughs> i've noticed i don't do that images. at all we i don't do think that. i have I ever done that network. in the 10 years or 12 years <laughs> you will find no names on any pictures in horse radio network <laughs> <laughs> i know because i'll save the images from uh, the <laughs> website and then put them on instagram I'm like what is this name <laughs> <laughs> oops you're supposed to name those Boy, I, I, wow. Does it matter? Does that get searched as well? It just helps with keywords. It just helps with ranking anything. Little steps definitely help. So if I have a sure. picture of a racehorse, I should put, uh, what should I put? You said a racehorse? Yeah, a racehorse finishing. Uh, justified, just won the Kentucky Derby. So like I would say racehorse underscore or like a dash and then say justify and then Kentucky Derby. So okay. I had to separate each word too, so that way the website actually sees the actual, or Google actually sees the separate words. So you should name, and you can do that in WordPress pretty easy. So I have no reason that I didn't, other than laziness. <laughs> laziness and having a million posts to do every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and another good thing is like for the alt text, for like WordPress, um, is 
like I was saying, you don't want to keyword stuff it, but you do want to kind of explain what is in the picture. So like if you're at a show like in Ireland or something and you say show horse jumping in Ireland at the Dublin horse show. So yeah, you're actually saying what is in the picture, not just like, oh, um, you're trying to just name it after what was the blog title or something. Now the you alt text to- is what shows when people hover over the picture? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it does sound like it's a lot of work, right? And it can be sometimes very tedious, <laughs> but yeah. it, it's worth it because, I mean, I, I know on Florida Podcast Network, for example, we just saw the proof is in the pudding. Like we've been, we've been on that website every day, every trying to do blog posts, you know, relevant um, content, you know, using the keywords that make sense for what we're trying to do, posting our episodes, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, look what just happened a, few, a couple yeah. weeks ago. There was a reporter out in Fort Myers who wanted to do a story story on podcasts in Florida, and literally just Googled podcasts in Florida, and we came up number one. So it takes time, Definitely. and it yeah, takes but that constant wasn't that continuous much time. Well, that was a year or two, maybe. That, that yeah. website was even up. Yeah. 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 That's how I got my first client is I just put a really good, I put all my energy into this really good blog post and she reached out to me. She's like, I saw your blog. And I was like, I didn't think my first blog. Ah! would get. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, great. Yeah. That now, great. what about meta descriptions and explain what that is? So, you know, when you go to Google something and it's the first two lines underneath like the blue hyperlink click, um, it kind of describes what you're about to click on. Um, a lot of times if you're just writing a blog, it will automatically just um, pick something from usually probably the beginning of yeah, your blog usually post. the first paragraph, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you want to go in there and actually customize this so that you're catching your audience's eye. So there's definitely another benefit to making sure you're customizing that meta description on your own. Now, a lot of the businesses, the small businesses involved in the horse world are location-based. You know, they're trainers in a certain area, veterinarians in a certain area, tax shops, et cetera, et cetera. So how can they keep that in mind when they're thinking about the keywords and how to better have their, their particular, you know, store or service come up in a very local search? So a lot of times there is this, uh, Google has a Google business so you can go in there and create like a business profile. So that way when you, and you can like put your address in there and you can get verify your actual address. They send you a postcard and everything. And you can get like this little uh, profile on the right side when they type in your business or even anything that's related to your business in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to make sure again, like you are using those keywords in your area and that you have like um, your address on your website and such like that. Um, but yeah, because okay. I just did that myself is get the little Google thing. <laughs> Can you do that for us, Jemmy? Because we don't have that apparently. I just looked. So can you get that set up for us, please? Start. You know what? Start a list, Glenn. I will <laughs> I'm actually making a list right website. now. You're going to be very busy here. <laughs> now, what's a slug other than the little animal that crawls across the ground? <laughs> yeah. So a slug is, so for example, like my uh, website, I have dreamvirtualassistant.com forward slash blog. So the forward slash blog is actually the slug. Um, For SEO best practices, state that the slug should be short and contain your focus keyword if possible. Um, So even for like, I made a blog on like the top 20 best um, equine business topics. And I just used my short, short slug equine blog topics. So at least I was using my keyword and it wasn't too long. 
So like we have horse uh, com slash horse lovers cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the page about the cruise. Mm-hmm. And they actually, that counts. I mean, they look at that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's, everything. what's in the URL? <laughs> they, yeah. they look at everything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they look at your site structure. You know, is it very, very flat? Is it basically just a homepage? And then everything is a side page to that? Or is there an actual structure to your site? Is there, are there layers? You know, so it, it looks at everything, everything. Mm-hmm. And you the know, big thing now is the SSL, your certification too. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, explain that because that's something that we just went through. And thankfully, Jemmy, spend an entire day uh, doing all of our websites, getting them... An entire day. day. How many were like 17? Yeah, there were like 17 of our websites, getting them secure. So explain that because they're pretty much just saying they're going to delist you. If Yeah, yeah, they're pretty much saying they're not going to rank you at all with the SSL certification. Um, I just have a brief idea what it is. It's just, you know, you want to make sure it's your security and you don't want to be putting any of your private information in it because the site is not secure. Um, a lot of times when you sign up for a hosting website or whatnot, they do um, include that in your package and you can make sure sometimes it's even just like a dollar extra or something for like if you're having some like a simple blog. It's and you'll know whether your site's secure. If you look up at the top of the address, it'll say HTTP colon backslash yeah, backslash. And then it'll, if there's yeah, no S, not secure. Secure. yeah, that's not secure. If there's no and S, they, then they, they used to only care about it really with like e-commerce sites, so yeah. sites where you had to put in your some sort of payment information. But now it's, it's in the last like six months or something like that. They've yeah, they've, I got I actually got emails. I sent them over to Jenny. Yeah. They were saying we're going to do de- delist Horse Radio <laughs> Network. Basically, oh, you got I, I got lots of emails and panicked phone calls. Let's oh, be well. honest. <laughs> you know, spent, you know, I joke about you know not doing things and pictures and stuff, but we actually have done pretty well in SEO over the years, mm-hmm. and that's part. Partly because we've had 6,000, 7,000 guests, or actually 9,500 guests now. And every one of those is listed in our blog posts, in our, in our show notes, with links to their websites. And that's the other thing. Outgoing links are very important too, right? Again, but relevant, right? Relevant, right. Right. Yeah. You want to have the inbound and then the outbound links. So sure. like yeah, we have our guests. the trap of, I get those emails all the time still of, I'll link back to your website yeah. if you link back to mine and da, da, da. ignore those. Those are garbage. <laughs> oh, They'll drive your rankings down. <laughs> oh, yeah, but awful. like with our all of our guests, we put their website name and we mm-hmm. put a link to it and their Facebook page and put a link to it. And right now, I mean, if you look up a guest that we've had on the shows over the years, we'll, we'll be on the first page of Google search. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's partly too, because we've been around so long and they do take that into consideration too, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Length of time. And we've been 12 years doing this. So if you pick up horse podcast, you know, for the longest time I did make a mistake. I didn't have the word podcast on our homepage Hmm. because we're horse radio network and I didn't, I didn't use the word podcast at all because in the beginning, slap your hand next time I see you. (laughs) But in the beginning we weren't using podcasts because nobody knew what it was. We were intentionally avoiding it. And now that it's become a thing, we make sure we do that now. But um, yeah. Interesting. Well, where can people get help? Let's say you're just throwing your hands up and say, I don't want to do any of this. I just want to write my blog posts and have somebody else worry about all the crap. They can actually get you to worry about all the crap. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so they can go to my website, dreamvirtualassistant.com. Um, and yeah, I have all my information listed out there. And there is something else very exciting about April. You're going on the cruise. Yes. Yay. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I didn't tell Jemmy that. You're going on the cruise. And 
I think we're up to 20 cabins now. So I, I noticed that Joseph of uh, Horse Husbands, my co-host on Horse Husbands, he and Diane have just booked their rooms. So mm-hmm. we want you to come too. Why did you decide to come this time? Well, I wanted to come last time, but we were we had just left to come to Germany. And now we're supposed to be getting home like right before, like a month or so before. So that's why we're going. But I really wanted to go last time. We, it just was bad timing. God, we let you and Jemmy alone. There's going to be nothing but Google uh, SEO <laughs> website talk. It's going to be- we, were n- we will not be offering free services unless <laughs> you bring a bottle of wine. That's right. there you go. Free there consultations you go. for bottle of wine. But I also want to point out that uh, you have on your website, and we'll, we'll include a link to it in the show notes, but it's actually a really cool article. It's the best 20 blog topics for your equine business. So I want to make sure to point everyone in that direction because it'll be a good jumping off point for anyone who's who's been paying attention. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Well, very good, April. Thank you very much. When are you moving back? Is there a date? Um, not quite sure just yet. Hopefully, hopefully for sure uh, in January, but he'll know for sure in September. So I was like, well, we'll start working towards doing the cruise. If not, then we can always cancel in November, but hopefully for sure <laughs> we'll know in September. Well, we hope to see you there for sure. I know that you really did want to go to the last one and we, we missed having you there. So <laughs> we'll see you soon then. And we'll, of course, April joins us at the first uh, Wednesday of every month. And she has for the last couple of months. So you can go back and take a look at the business tips that we have done there on the, on the website as well. Thanks, April. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So, Jemmy, we have a we have a, a whole lot of content they can find also over at Finding Florida. If you like to have fun listening to podcasts that are nothing but fun, then you want to head over and listen to ours. Because Jemmy and I have had some fun traveling the state of Florida. It doesn't matter whether you're even coming to Florida or not. They're just fun to listen to. We do wild stuff, and we let you in on it, and we let you hear it. So I'm going to be heading off to the uh, Sun and Fun Flying, which is the second largest air show and air vendor show in the world. The first one's in Paris, and this is right down in Lakeland, Florida, below Orlando. And I'm going to go there tomorrow and hopefully get some fun interviews and things. And then and then Jimmy and I are I'm going down her way, and we're going to be going to... Checking out a totally different kind of festival. <laughs> a Japanese <laughs> festival uh, with fire eaters and anime characters and drums and music Let and me food. tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm so starve. on this, I think it was our second adventure we did. It was an animal-based venture. Um, we met with, up with my friend Viv, and we went to a restaurant, and I force-fed Glenn some sushi. Yeah. Now, the which, by the way, that, didn't go well. I almost threw up on the table. No, no. and it was hilarious. <laughs> and unfortunately, my friend Vivi, who I love dearly, uh, didn't press the button on the phone right, so it wasn't <laughs> caught on video. So I am making this proclamation right now. Oh no, that no, go to this Japanese no, festival. no! <laughs> I am force feeding you sushi. No, no. I was thinking, what am I going to eat at a Japanese festival? Because I don't eat fish of any kind. Oh, it comes out know. of the water. Now I don't you eat know. it. Yeah. <laughs> No. Uh, do they have beef of any kind? Like, I I'll, I'll, might even eat a vegetable instead of fish. It'll be your treat after you are for- force-fed. Your <laughs> do they make, I'll just have sake. 
I know what that is. I just, I, you know, you can have sake before <laughs> to help it go down no, better, but you no. will have your fun. Well, you'll hear all of that on the next version, uh, <laughs> next episode of Finding Florida. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Tomorrow's the driving episode with Dr. Wendy. We do have a couple of things coming up tomorrow that appeal to everybody. One is there's so much talk about CBD oil uh, with people and animals. Well, we have uh, Dr. Wendy in the traditional Chinese medicine segment has somebody on to talk about CBD oil for horses and uh, what, what have they found. What is the research shown, and is it worthwhile? So that's one of the topics tomorrow, as well as we're going to be talking about greyhounds. Uh, there's The greyhound tracks in Florida are all going to be closing. I didn't realize this. There are 11 greyhound tracks in Florida, and there's only seven in the rest of the country. Wow. So when Florida Greyhound Racing said they were closing, that meant about uh, two-thirds of racing Greyhound Racing wow. in the country is going away. I didn't away. Really know we led the league like that. Yeah. Jeez. And that means 10,000 hounds are going to be looking for homes in the next year. So we're talking to one of the rescues about that. And, of course, uh, Wendy and I kind of have a soft spot, I especially, because my Greyhound glory is right under my feet right now. But, you know, She's we're still there. planning on adopting a dog at some point, my, my JoJo and I, so I'll be paying attention. You better. They do make little ones for apartments, too. So. <laughs> apartment-sized <laughs> yeah, They make apartment-sized greyhounds. You just have to ask. Tell you whether you want the apartment one. <laughs> All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> Spain, neuter, geld.